0: Take a coffee break with Hamilton Law, where we bring a fresh legal approach to assisting and educating you on your legal rights. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break with Hamilton Law. I'm Ian Hamilton.
1: And I'm Philip Hamilton.
0: Thanks for being here. So today we're going to talk about something that a lot of people don't think about when they're talking about estate planning, because when you talk about estate planning, people are always assume we're talking about dying. But we also want to let everyone know that doing your estate plan also involves incapacity planning. So what we mean by incapacity planning is what if you are living, but you unfortunately, be, unfortunately become incapacitated? So what if there's a car accident or dementia occurs? We want to make sure that you have documents in place that address those issues. And so that's what we are going to talk about today. Have you heard of those before, Philip?
1: Yeah. yeah. So sometimes, you know, I've, I've heard clients mention them, but I, I guess I, on a very practical letter, you hear about wills and trusts all the time. But when you say incapacity t- planning, what type of documents are you talking about actually preparing or what do you do on that end?
0: So there are two documents. The first one is a power of attorney for finances. So in that document, you state in there, who's going to make financial decisions for me if I'm unable to do so for myself? And then there's a medical power of attorney. And that's if two doctors state in writing, you're incapacitated, you cannot make your own medical decisions. Who is going to make those for you? And so the issue when you don't have those in place, if you become incapacitated doctors or, you know, your financial bank, institution will want to know who's going to make these decisions. And if no one is nominated in this document, the power of attorney, your loved ones are going to have to go to court. And so obviously what we're trying to do by doing estate planning and doing things ahead of time is to avoid court.
1: So when you talk about, so when somebody comes to you and they're talking about, all right, I need to get an estate plan done. Will you do the will and trust? Like let's say they don't have anything done. Right. Right. Uh, they don't have a will or a trust or any anything else as a part of meeting with them. Will you au- you automatically consider incapacity as well as death? Because obviously there are two different things. You can be incapacitated. Yes. Can, you
0: know, yes. Uh, we yeah. always want to consider both. And I always say I think it's like a spiel that I always say is that if you're 18 or over, you need to have a power of attorney. So even if you are you have kids that are going off to college and they're 18 now. Um, a lot of doctors will not allow you to make medical or financial decisions. Doctors won't let you make medical. Your your kids' banks won't let you withdraw money or anything for them, even if you're their parent, if a power of attorney is not in place. And so anyone over the age of 18 should have a power of attorney. So when someone comes in to talk to me, yes, we talk about what will happen if someone passes away, but also what about those accidents, that dementia, We want to make sure that you get to choose who makes those decisions for you. Um, So, for example, I have um, a client who has twin boys. They are headed off to college and, you know, we guided them and told them it might be a good idea to put in writing that you are the people, the parents that are going to be able to make those decisions for their kids so that if anything, God forbid, happens while they're gone, they don't have to go to court in order to get an order from the court to make a decision yeah
1: it's interesting like so when you say for example like the first thing that comes to my mind when i think about kind of what's happening in the news and this is like a few years ago what about like lamar odom and was it chloe kardashian i don't remember all the kind yes. but when lamar odom or was you know had gone through uh he was in the hospital and he was incapacitated yeah there's some type of dispute not necessarily dispute they got to the a a court level or anything like that. But, uh, they, they were, it was interesting because I think they were, I don't know if they were married or divorced or, or what, but it was like a little bit of a limbo type of situation. Right. You know, uh,
0: it's funny that you would know celebrity gossip more than me. First off, mm -hmm. I must say, because (laughs) I don't (laughs) don't think I I know that that whole story, but if I can guess what probably happened was they were still married And he was unable to make his own medical decisions while he was in the hospital or wherever he was. And maybe there was a conflict with his mom and then Chloe, his wife, being able to make a decision for him. But that could have been prevented if a power of attorney for medical um, decisions were in place and then the doctors they don't have to have that question of who's the right person if, is it the wife is it the mom especially in a situation where there's some type of separation um the last thing we want in those type of situations is to have court involved because that's you know you're already upset that your loved one is not doing well we don't want them to have to go to court and so putting and I those don't,
1: together- i don't mean to yeah, I don't want to speak over any or or spread any, you know, false rumors or gossip or anything. But the, the the point is, if you're in a situation where there is a divorce or a separation or uh mothers and children and spouses and 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 and, and different individuals, if you if you don't have anything in place, it creates confusion potentially or problems. Yeah. Whereas if you have your uh The the powers of attorney in place, it
0: Mm -hmm. eliminates that confusion. Correct, that is correct. And then I also wanted to touch on real quick that there are two different types of powers of attorney for financial decision, and some people they prefer one over the other. So the first one is called a durable power of attorney, and that allows whoever you have named in that document to make financial decisions for you, even if you're not incapacitated. So I have you as my attorney, in fact, and that's what it's called in the power of attorney, that you can make financial decisions for me, even if I'm not incapacitated. So let's say we're buying our dream home somewhere cool, Bahamas, I don't know, and I'm not able to get to the document signing. You can sign on my behalf, even though I'm okay, using that power of attorney. The other power of attorney that's available is called a springing power of attorney. And so as that word springing indicates, it only works if you are incapacitated. So a lot of people you know, who aren't married, you don't even have to be married, but they just don't want people to have that much control over their finances when they're doing okay and they're not incapacitated. They will opt for the springing power of attorney, which allows more, you know, flexibility um actually it, it offers less flexibility because it doesn't allow um that person named to make decisions when they are okay
1: okay another yeah. question is you know is there a limit on the on the number of people you can name in either one of the of the types of documents you're talking mm-hmm. about
0: that's a good question so there is not a limit But I don't recommend naming multiple people to serve because, again, it's kind of funny when every time I talk to people about this, we are always trying to limit the fighting between family members, limit court. That's what we do as lawyers, you know, try to limit arguments. So if you're naming two people, you know, people are like, what if I name both of my kids? I say, you know, you know your kids better than I do. So if you think that they aren't going to fight and, you know, argue about a decision, then name them. But I would recommend naming one and then a backup. Okay. Um, so
1: like, some, you're talking about like code, like they're working together or like one in front of the other, one is going to serve. And if that person isn't available for whatever reason, mm-hmm. then the second person, the backup would come in.
0: Yes. So. I would recommend that over co's. Co's, okay. in my experience have, you know, led to a lot of disagreements. And so I would recommend definitely name that successor, because what if the first person you name just doesn't want to do the job? What if they're like, no, this is just not something that I feel comfortable with, or I'm not good at making these types of decisions. And so definitely, you know, name that backup. Some people will ask, should we name more than one backup? And I would say, yes, that would prevent you having to update your document, let's say, The first person that you've named passes away. The second person doesn't want to act. You have that third person. There's no limit on how many people that you can name, which is really nice. Nice, nice. Yep. So another um, quick thing before we wrap this segment up, I wanted to talk about a lot of people want to know with that medical power of attorney, is there an advanced directive that's included in there? And so the answer is yes. So in your medical power of attorney, you get to choose ahead of time do I want extraordinary measures to prolong my life if I'm in a vegetative state? And so a lot of people are all over the board on this. Uh, I would say 90% of my clients say I do not want extraordinary measures. Sometimes people say three months. I have clients who say a year because they're hoping science will come and bring (laughs) them back alive.
1: I'm not laughing Um, at your clients who say that, but it's kind of... Yes,
0: we all have our preferences. But the good thing about that, having that decision made is so that the person that you name to make that decision, they don't have to make that for you. And so if you can imagine sometimes, you know, that's maybe the last decision that a person will make for you on your behalf. And so having any guilt or any remorse about making the wrong decision, if it's not specific, specified in that document um, can be, you know, very heartbreaking. So having the opportunity to name um, uh, your advanced directive ahead of time is, is super important. So it doesn't have to be left up to your family members. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. So with that, that's what I would say, just because we're doing estate planning doesn't just mean, you know, documents for dying. We also want to think about incapacity, so that we can prevent court and capacity planning is very important for anyone over the age of 18. And
1: you don't need to have, you can have, uh, you can have your estate planning done and not have your capacity planning done, or you can have your capacity planning done and not have your estate planning done, for example. So it works both ways. Um, It
0: works both ways. It works both ways. I recommend if you don't have anything, do it all. But I would almost, you know, say those powers of attorney documents, you know, should come first. They're, they're pretty simple to draft and we just need to know the people that you want to nominate and then we can get the documents ready for you. Okay. All All right. right. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit HamiltonLawPlc.com.